This is a bonus episode. All right, and that brings us to a very special surprise for our listeners. We have got three guests on the call from the Tournament of Champions. We have Josh Hill, Lindsay Schultz, and Stephen Gray. Say hi, everybody. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Uh, we've got them here. We're going to ask them a few questions, let them uh, let them give their thoughts on the overall experience and, and a few other things. And then at the end, we'll get to everyone's favorite part. And we're going to do a round robin style quiz where each of us is going to bring a couple of questions for the rest of us. So let's uh, let's start with Stephen. Uh, the first thing we're just going to talk about is is your general thoughts and reflections on the overall experience of the Tournament of Champions. Uh, I had a blast out there taping the tournament. Uh, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, my first time out there, I was, you know, a very, very intense, high-pressure situation. And I still feel like the 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 mood was, you know, kind of light. And everybody was just happy to be out there recording, taping Jeopardy. Uh, but this being a tournament with everybody, you know, knowing of each other, um, knowing what the stakes are, knowing, you know, who the 800-pound elephant in the room is. Uh, I was afraid that that would kind of amp things up to to an uncomfortable degree, and it might not be as fun an experience. But from the second that we got back there and just started, you know, hanging out and chatting and playing off-brand Jenga and watching movies, it was just... It, it was like the best summer camp that I never went to. Uh, it was having a great time with my friends, and then occasionally three of them would get marched out to go play Jeopardy! Like that is that is just such a cool, fun experience that we all got to have. And it was it was just so much more fun. And I got so much more out of it than I ever would have expected. Awesome. Lindsay, your thoughts. Um, yeah, this whole experience has sort of been like Alice falling down the rabbit hole for me. Like I had never, you know, my high school did not have trivia. Like we did not have science, but like we did not, you know, have any of this stuff. And it was almost like on a whim the first time that I took the online test, you know, and I had no idea that like this year would turn into this for me, you know, and I, I feel like I can't even really remember a time before I knew you all. Like we literally <laughs> met like eight weeks ago. And it just, it feels like this has been part of my life for like way longer than that. So. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, a lot of us have, um, have, have given that same kind of sentiment about just like having a kind of instant connection and, and, and pretty, pretty strong connection between all of us. So yeah, thank you, Josh, your thoughts. I really enjoyed the experience. It was um, definitely a uh, dream come true. My high school did have a uh, quiz bowl and I was uh, fortunate to play there and then play in college and always wanted to be on Jeopardy, um, even from the time I was a little kid rushing home uh, to watch after school. Uh, but then after college, I kind of walked away from trivia for a while and and uh, on a whim, one of my uh, former quiz bowl teammates in college invited me to an online trivia league and I joined there and it kind of rekindled my lifelong love for learning. And uh, that, you know, led me to try out for Jeopardy again. And um, I was fortunate enough to make the stage and to, and to do well. And I'm really grateful for um, being part of the Jeopardy family. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Josh. Um, we're going to ask all of you to share with us and I know we can really go down a rabbit hole here. So let's, uh, let's try to, keep it to a thumbnail sketch. How did you prepare for this tournament? 
Uh, let's go back to Stephen to start. Yeah, I think that we could all talk about this for about as long as we spent studying. Uh, <laughs> but but for me, the thing that I keyed in on was uh, searching J Archive. That was probably 95% of the studying that I did because I knew that I was going to have less time than most of the other folks in the Tournament of Champions to study. So I wanted to be as efficient with my time as I could. I really wanted to dive in there and see what are the, you know, I mean, it's still a huge list, but what are the 40,000 or so things that come up on Jeopardy most often and make sure that I knew those because I figured that even in a tournament setting, they're probably going to keep going back to clues that have been asked in some form or another, maybe not verbatim, but certainly the same general fact. Um, they're going to go back to those uh, in an event like this because it's what they do on the show all the time. So I just plumbed through the deepest, darkest depths of J Archive and studied you know, the past 10 years of tournaments and super tournaments and all the clues that come up a ton in regular play and uh, made one flashcard for each fact that I encountered that had come up more than two or three times over the history of the show. Uh, I figured that those are those had better odds of being asked than something that had come up, you know, once 15 years ago and had never been asked again. Uh, if there's stuff that the writers like, they like it for a reason. And so I figured try and try and think like the writers, try and study the game, not the entire compendium of human knowledge. And um, I, I saw a dramatic improvement doing it that way. So I, uh, I feel that even if it didn't have the end result that I was shooting for, the, the theory behind it was at least sound. Nice. Uh, quick follow-up question. Mm -hmm. Old-fashioned paper flashcards or digital flashcards? Uh, digital flashcards. Uh, Anki all the way. Um, that was. I saw that Ken's team had been using it uh, during the All-Star Games back in February. Uh, you could just see an image of an Anki layout on the computer in the background of somebody's screen. And I went in and saw, like, okay, I need to find out what this is because if Ken Jennings is using this to prepare for Jeopardy, then it's probably something that I should look into also. And it was it was awesome. Like I was able to study flashcards while I was, you know, like sitting at the office, like just have a tab open on my computer. I was able to study flashcards while I was riding my exercise bike uh, instead of, you know, watching TV or reading comic books while I did that. Like it the the mobility of it really helped a lot. And also the the spaced repetition way that they do things where I could say if something was easy, it wouldn't come back up for, you know, a longer amount of time. But if there was a card that I was struggling with, it would come back up, you know, every day or two. Uh, that really did a excellent job of kind of drilling those facts into my head. Nice. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, how did you prepare? Um, okay, so I am not super known for being very well organized. So my method of preparation <laughs> might not work for everybody else. Um, I finished my four game run uh, filming at the end of January and for for a decent couple of months there I basically like wished away my Jeopardy studying like into the cornfield and you know added a couple of things into like what my normal daily routine was like you know if you look at my streak on Duolingo it's embarrassing like New York Times crosswords like all that kind of stuff um you know so I threw in there were a couple of of just like pre-made online flashcards that I sort of like piggybacked off what other people had made you know, so I sort of incorporated like into that uh, routine every morning, like running through like stuff that was actually kind of comfortable for me just to like make sure my neurons were still firing. So like, you know, running presidents, running, you know, the elements, running like country maps, flags, stuff like that. Um, and other things that I sort of incorporated in at that point, especially figuring like, you know, there was no guarantee I was going to be invited back. There was, you know, you know, no way of really knowing if I was going to be like 
stressing myself out for nothing. Um, I added like new podcasts into my my repertoire. You know, I added in an entire podcast that covers like the history of English from like the first evidence we have of language. And I made it through like uh, somewhere in like the 30 years war, which essentially is how I learned um, European history as well. Um, I threw in aria code because I knew like next to nothing about opera. I threw in decompose because I also the only thing about classical music I knew was like whatever songs they gave clarinets to play in my high school. Um, you know, so that kind of stuff went in. And then I actually didn't really start going back over stuff until I got the call for uh, the tournament, which would for me would have been in mid-June. Um, so I had like stacked up, you know, probably a hundred episodes of Jeopardy on the TiVo then. So I started going back through rewatching, um, going through J archive, not quite as, as methodically, um, as it sounds like other people did, but just to like review areas that I knew weren't my strength. Um, and I basically have a notebook that looks like, you know, someone just escaped from, you know, the local psych ward of just scribbles written down. Like I have an entire page, like three or four pages of just sports that is just words written down that some <laughs> of them actually came in handy. Some of them I look back and I'm like, I, I really have no idea what this said. Um, so for me, getting ready was really more about that, like, solidifying, you know, how I sort of was living, you know, my life sort of just being intellectually voracious and what I was consuming and reading and all of that. And I mean, for me, that seems to have worked out really well. I don't really know how you would codify that into a, you know, Lindsay's way to prepare for the show. Well, clearly it worked for you. Uh, what about you, Josh? What did you do? So after my initial run, as well as in, um, you know, doing trivia for many years, I have a pretty good idea of my strong categories and my weak categories. And my weak categories are pretty much the EGOT category. So anything that you can win an EGOT for and um, movies, music, TV, and then also, you know, theater plays. And I really focus my tournament preparation on those categories, entertainment in general. I would... Um, you know, do a lot of like pub quizzes where they were heavily entertainment themed. I would uh, watch shows like uh, I don't want to plug any other competitive you know, media outlets here, but I watch shows based on pop culture. I uh, will listen to more music. Uh, I will learn more about movies. I'd watch movies when I can. I just have such a short attention span. It's hard to, <laughs> for me to sit through a movie. <laughs> Probably I'm no good at movies. Um, but also I didn't feel that I needed to work on my strong categories as much. And I was probably a little overconfident in some of the categories. It turns out though, that the um, focus on entertainment did, you know, pay off for me pretty well in, uh, in my performance. I think of uh, the points I had um, about a third to a half of them were in entertainment categories. I got a $2,000 TV clue, a $1,600 TV clue. Uh, I got a pop music clue. Those are clues I would not have gotten uh, prior to targeted preparation on entertainment. Uh, as far as methodology, um, what I would do is go to trivia nights um, and I would take a notebook with me and anything that I didn't know or even some facts on questions I did know, I would write them down and I would go back and read those books later. I never did well with flashcards, digital or analog, but um, I've always written notebooks when I was in Quizbo studying in high school and college. I would write everything down. I'd have these big binders uh, full of random notes from games, from tournaments, as well as just you know stuff I've come across and I try to internalize as, mu as much of it as I can. 
I would say there were a few categories that I knew I wasn't very strong in, like, for example, art, <laughs> which <laughs> cubism and, and also uh, classical music, um, you know, potent potables, food and drink, culinary. Um, but I knew I was so weak in entertainment that I had to focus most of my um, efforts on entertainment. And, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Am I remembering right that you were the one who got uh, The Handmaid's Tale, Josh? Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Good pull. Yeah, that was that was huge. Uh, my uh, my wife has been watching Handmaid's Tale, and I've watched it with her. And so uh, when that came up, I was like, I hope I get this. I hope she's proud of me. But, you know, <laughs> I was she said she's proud. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, all right. So a big part of obviously our experience, and really anybody's experience, whether it's a tournament of champions or or regular season games, or you know, just being on the show, is having a watch party. So I am, I'm certain that you all had watch parties. Um, so why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that? And if you got any good stories or just like, you know, just, just sharing some positivity. Let's go back to Steven. Uh, yeah, I uh, ended up having my watch party for uh, the quarterfinals uh, back at the, uh, the same restaurant, uh, bar restaurant um, within walking distance from my house that I uh, had a couple at the first time I was on the show. Uh, it was very fun uh, going back there to, uh, you know, to talk about getting some space in the place again and then being like, oh, yeah, I remember you. You're the Jeopardy guy. And I was like, yeah, and I'm about to be the Jeopardy guy again. So you want to just do this whole thing all over? Uh, so it was it was cool that like they kind of remembered that experience. And uh, it was on a night that they do trivia, what the first watch party I did. So that kind of made me a superstar in the place. Um, <laughs> the, this time uh, it was you know, I could tell that everybody was nervous. I was even nervous. I was getting up and, you know, pacing around the room the whole time. I was pacing around watching uh, the, the other quarterfinal match matches, even though I hadn't seen them yet. I knew how they ended, uh, but I was just kind of getting nervous on behalf of all of you watching it for the first time. But I was I was a little bit of a nervous wreck uh, just walking around, even though I was the one person who knew what was happening. Um, and I think that they all might have been nervous for me too, because the first time I was, pro I probably had more people out there than I did this go around. So I'm sure there were some people thinking like, oh no, there's only like half as many people here. This means he didn't do well. This means he's not going to make it to the next round. Uh, but the best part was probably a couple of, uh, elementary school teachers of mine live in the same neighborhood as my parents. And we invited them down for these and kind of having them there and, you know, letting them see that, you know, what they do matters, what they do pays off. They they were instrumental in instilling a lifelong love of reading in me and helping to feed this voracious curiosity that you don't always see in a third grader or a fourth grader. So to have them there and be like, no, you, you're part of the reason that I'm up there. There's a lot of different people who contributed it, but without, you know, without my kindergarten teacher handing me a chapter book at age six or without, you know, a fourth grade teacher saying, okay, you finished this reading assignment three weeks in advance, here's something else that I think you would like, and just kind of feeding this this intellectual monster that I was becoming, uh, I, I would never have even considered going on to Jeopardy, let alone been able to make this far, make it this far. So getting to share that with the people who really helped me along the way was really, really special to me. Awesome. Yeah, that's... Uh... I, I had a, a similar experience, not necessarily with the teachers, but like just a lot of people that I haven't necessarily connected with in a while, kind of coming back and, and, and being able to to share that with them, for sure. Uh, Lindsay, how was yours? Okay. Um, so I am sorry to be 
slight disappointment. Um, but I, I, it was like watch, like eating broken glass, trying to watch myself the first time. So I have literally <laughs> never watched my episodes. I did not watch these episodes. I could barely watch y'all at this point because I know you guys. <laughs> So instead of a watch party, I went and bought a new house plant, which is kind of one plan for me. So, um, okay, well, you had something to share with. I did. Um, so for me, really, the way the way it worked for me, as opposed to like being in person, like none of my friends are in the same place anymore. Like between undergrad and like med school and grad school, like when you get like your first professional positions, you're spread out all over the entire country. So it was like hearing back from like medical school friends that I literally haven't talked to in 10 years because everybody disappears into the hospital. And it's, you know, it's almost like they don't exist for about a decade, which was amazing for me, you know, just to, to hear back from all these people to hear back from like, a couple of friends that I haven't seen for ages and ages. And they're like, our kids are watching you on TV. And they think we know someone famous was awesome. They're like, can you send us an autographed postcard? <laughs> Uh, for our kids and like that was awesome and the other thing that felt really good is um, my mom actually works in the school district uh, where I went from elementary school to high school so for her it was like reliving the entire like experience of my childhood of having you know random teachers and people that I went to school with are, are you know high school teachers and elementary school teachers there now so for her to get to kind of like live that vicariously for me was was awesome she you know she loved that and it would have made me incredibly stressed out so it worked out really well dividing those duties for us nice nice well I'm, you know i'm i'm glad that you had what you were looking for that that's awesome uh josh how'd yours go so my watch party went really well i uh was not expecting as many people as i came my first watch party um, was at the um, place that we played trivia at North Little Rock and about 20 people were there and I was really grateful to have so much support at 11 a.m. in the middle of the day on a Wednesday <laughs> and uh, I was like wow and so for this watch party for the tournament um, it was the showtime was at 4.30 they moved the uh, episodes here in this market to 4.30 and I was expecting maybe about 20 people to come you know and I, I didn't really publicize it uh, too much too too much lead time but about 50 or 60 people were there and I was like wow we, we filled up the entire party room and, and I was just taken aback at all the support that I, I got from all my friends all my colleagues my teammates um just people from all walks of life and um and I'm really grateful for that the uh best part of the tournament champions watch party uh had to have been you know because I knew how final was going to go. I knew I was going to you know, swing and miss, but um, listening to everyone work through the clue in their head and about two thirds of the watch party came up with the correct response. And, and I was like, anybody else? Any, any, any votes for minimalism? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and all, most everybody said cubism. It's got to be cubism. You know? And I'm saying I had to like hide the fact that I didn't get it. <laughs> Sure, <laughs> so, yeah. That was interesting, but um, I was pacing around as well. I, I was nervous. I don't think I got a bite to eat at the watch party, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but I, I wasn't there to eat. I was there to share this experience with, with all my family and friends, and um, it, it really went well from that perspective. Just wish we had more than one, but, you know, the, the one I'm grateful for. Yeah. Sure. Sure, absolutely. So, Stephen, you've been... Uh really busy on uh on twitter um uh and doing elsewhere. something and elsewhere yes uh 
doing something really, really pretty special. Can you tell us about the fundraiser that uh, that some of the champions have worked on over the last few days? Yes, gladly. I've been uh, all over the place talking about this. It's, it's, I, you know, it's funny. This these past eight weeks, I've been wondering like, what am I going to do to fill all this time that used to be dedicated to studying? And I never would have guessed that becoming a pancreatic cancer research advocate was going to be the answer. But I just apparently kind of stumbled backwards into that. So, um, as as everybody who watched the show saw, we were wearing uh, purple ribbons while we were out there. Uh, Gilbert Collins was the one who organized that, but we were doing that uh, to. Alex and his fight against pancreatic cancer and to honor the memory of Larry Martin, the uh, 2018 teachers tournament champion who would have been out there, but uh, was lost to pancreatic cancer earlier this year. Um, so while we were out there, and if y'all remember, please tell me, I don't remember if there was a specific one of us or if it was just kind of something that we all kind of unconsciously agreed on, but we knew that we wanted to do a play along fundraiser similar to the one that some previous Jeopardy! champions had put together back in March um, when Alex first announced his diagnosis. Uh, and the way that that one worked and the way that ours worked was we encouraged everybody to watch the show uh, and to count their number of correct responses that they give at home and donate $1 to pancreatic cancer research for each correct response that they give. Uh, the foundation that we selected uh, that we were going to give to was the Lust Garden Foundation for Pancreatic Cancer Research. I saw some folks on Twitter who had other foundations and groups that they had worked with before or some folks up in Canada. Uh, there's a big one in Canada that they were donating to, but the idea was to try and spread the word and get as many people uh, to play along with that as possible. And when we first launched the idea on Twitter, you know, I got in touch with some some of the Jeopardy all-stars, some of the big names in the Jeopardy community, and the uh, Jeopardy social media feeds were great about helping to spread the message as well as well. And it got some pretty good traction. But then on uh, on Monday's semifinal, when Drew put his "We love you, Alex" answer. Uh, that just blew the roof off of it. All of a sudden, it's, you know, I'm getting phone calls from USA Today, and I'm getting interview requests from local news affiliates all over the country, and, you know, celebrities are tweeting and retweeting about it, and there was just this huge, huge outpouring of love and support for Alex, and we were just lucky enough to kind of get caught up in this wave, and were able to, you know, ride it all the way to um, the $25,000 donation that Drew got on The Ellen Show, and all of these people who, you know, Jeopardy fans, non-Jeopardy fans, uh, people who have lost family members or friends to pancreatic cancer or other types of cancer, you know, chipping in their $20, $30, $40, you know, however many they got right. Uh, some folks, you know, rounding up to the nearest hundred um, and being able to go through the uh, Lust Garden Foundation website and read all these donations and read all the comments about it has just been an unbelievable experience. I never in a million years would have guessed that I would have been a part of something like this. But once it got rolling, I, I almost felt like this this desire, this calling to make it as important as possible. Um, I figured that going out in the semifinals of the tournament, nobody would ever really care who I was or what I had to say. And then and then to, you know, be given this opportunity to see that, no, like it doesn't matter how you did on the show. It matters what you do with the time that you had on it. Uh, I just I had to give that my all. I couldn't I couldn't let it pass by. Um, so, you know, I think last I checked uh, the the uh, donations were almost up to fifty thousand dollars as of this morning. Uh, and the best news is, which I don't think I've told anybody this yet, but I was talking to the folks at the Lust Garden Foundation, and they're going to leave that dedicated uh, We Love You, Alex counter up through the end of the year. 
Uh, so if you were if you were playing along at home and you didn't do as well in the tournament finals as you would have liked to have, or if you would like to give more, um, pick a night, pick an episode of Jeopardy, pick two nights of Jeopardy, give a dollar per correct answer, give a uh, you know a cent, give a dime per correct answer, and play every night through the rest of the year. Uh, donate a percentage of your coriat. Whatever you do, you're going to have the opportunity to keep playing along and raising funds for pancreatic cancer research. Uh, for the next month and a half. And I know that I'm going to be playing again, and, and I hope that everybody else, you know, gets that message. And I'm going to be putting that back out on Twitter here come Monday once everybody's paying attention to the Internet again. Um, <laughs> and we're, we're going to see, you know, how high that counter can go. Yeah, hopefully some of our listeners can get in on that. Yeah, yeah study hard over the weekend. Let's, uh, let's, let's get some high scores here the rest of this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, a couple of uh, follow-up <laughs> questions, actually, Stephen, and then for Lindsay. Uh, most of the, the activity on, on, you know, mostly Twitter, uh, but other social media for, for like tagging those, those, uh, celebrities and finding the people who are commenting on the, we love you, Alex, and, and following up with that. Uh, I was seeing a lot of, a lot of Steven and a lot of Lindsay. So who is the, like the most exciting celebrity that you have now had like, f you know, direct contact with through that? <laughs> Uh, for me, it's uh, Ken Jong for sure. Uh, Professor Chang on Community. Um, he was in the Hangover movies. He's a judge on The Masked Singer now. Uh, Community is one of my five favorite TV shows of all time. And I saw that he retweeted a Drew's big viral moment the other night. Uh, so I just reached out on Twitter and I said, like, hey, you know, I saw you tweeting about Alex. We're putting this fundraiser together, you know, in his name to, you know, try and raise funds for this disease. And then to get, you know, a, an interaction with uh, Professor Ben Chang and a retweet and a follow out of it on Twitter just, you know, blew my mind. Like I'm one degree away from, you know, Joel McHale and Allison Brie and Academy Award winner Jim Rash and like all of these people who brought so much joy and happiness into my life just by watching their show that to, you know, have had a moment like that with one of them where he was, you know, reaching out to me and supporting something that I was, that was, you know, really, really meaningful to me. It, it, uh, it is something that I'm going to, you know, put that on the memory board and keep it there for a very long time. Nice. Nice. Uh, Lindsay, what about you? Who is the, who is the celebrity that you're most excited to have gotten in contact with? Um, the celebrity I was most excited about was, um, Jenny Han. She wrote, um, the movie to all the boys I've loved before that was uh -huh. starring, um, Lana Condor and Noah Centiano in, uh, on Netflix this past year that like was just the most adorable teen rom-com that I've ever seen. <laughs> um, the most personally, like just weirdly fulfilling was um, I got an answer right on my first one about a professor um, who studies um, archeology span using satellite imagery. And I saw her being tagged in one of the links and I happened to like, uh, you know, kind of pop into her mentions and say, oh, you know, I'm the one who who got your answer correct. And she sent me like the most amazing DM being like, it's so amazing that like the person that got my answer was another woman in STEM. So talking to Sarah Parsak was was just awesome. Like that, that was that was just like super personally meaningful. And it also sort of gave me an in because I feel like the the world that I know a little bit better is kind of like the the nerdier med science world. So I was like getting a lot of like good feedback from people sort of more like you know health policy journalists stuff like that than like big name celebrities so that was awesome that it sort of there was the that my nerdy version of the world sort of um sort of responded to this so well that's great that's really cool 
Moving on. Uh, Steven talked a lot about like not expecting this this movement to to be kind of like his you know his thing now. Um, but in other ways, or maybe if if this is the big way, that's okay. Uh, how has the Tournament of Champions uh, led to anything new, or has it led to anything new in your life, or or uh, like like giving you new purpose or new direction? We're gonna start with Josh. So as far as what it's led to in, in my life, I mean, I'm definitely wanting to stay involved with trivia. Um, you know, I walked away from it for a few years and, and I definitely don't want to uh, walk away from it. Um, I, I want to see the next great trivia mind from Arkansas make the tournament and win the tournament. Um I definitely want to be more involved in the local you know, trivia scene and, you know, helping people have fun. Um, definitely want to, you know, continue, you know, getting better myself. Who knows if you know, there's another opportunity down the road that comes up. Um, you know, I'd be all ears, but I do know that, you know, chance favors the well-prepared and uh, I definitely want to stay uh, well-prepared and, you know, did a lot of speaking the last time I um, went on. I gave some speeches at uh, at my um, hometown uh, elementary school, as well as at some civic organizations, uh, my church. And, and I'd like to do that more. Hopefully someone's inspired to try to live out their dream, uh, whatever it may be. It may not be Jeopardy. It may be, you know, they would want to play a sport professionally or they want to have their art exhibited in a uh, worldwide gallery. But whatever their dream is, um, hopefully, you know, what we've done will help um, people be inspired to go and uh, go to achieve their dreams. For sure. Um, I'm going to take a little aside on that. Why I, uh, on my first run, got a little flack on, uh, on the internet about being too boring or being too much of a normal guy for some people. Uh, but it was really encouraging to see support from, you know, uh, opposing viewpoints saying like, no, we like seeing normal people like real people doing really well. <laughs> That's inspiring that that it's not just, you know, uh, it, people that seem to come from central casting, you know, like like TV right. personalities. It's like real people. So that's awesome, Josh. Uh, Lindsay, what about Thanks. you? Yeah, I, I really don't know what in particular comes next out of this. I know one of the things that sort of started as a joke and maybe has been evolving into something less of a joke is Dhruv and I actually have similar research interests and we've kind of been joking back and forth about what if we were the first um, two tournament of champions to be academic co-authors together. Hey. So that's hmm. that's something that we're looking at. Um, you know, otherwise, I, I feel like there's like this experience pushed me out of my comfort zone um, to such a degree that I've been like doing things that if you would have like met me at the beginning of this year, you probably would not have assumed I would be comfortable doing. Like for me, my version of hell is being in one of those magician shows where they interact with the audience all the time. <laughs> and like <laughs> the terror and fear <laughs> of someone I don't know, like talking to me was awful. And like one of the first things I did when I got back to Pittsburgh after filming the tournament was I went to um one of those like interactive performances and I actually interacted <laughs> and I actually had fun, which has literally never happened to me before. <laughs> um, you know, like DMing and emailing strangers for um, for the charity play along is something that like usually spikes my my like my 
stress hormones so badly that I like email them and then close the laptop and like run away for a few hours. <laughs> so it just the fact that I've been able to sort of like do that now and push through that, you know, that that discomfort that I innately have um, is is kind of cool and was not something that I was, you know, I wasn't expecting my personality to be altered by this. Um, I guess is the best way I could put it. Steven, what about you? Anything uh, new? Well, I mean, the the charity uh, working with the Les Garden Foundation is probably the big thing. Like I said, I'm kind of the accidental advocate right now, and <laughs> that that has really become a lot more important to me in the past, you know, two weeks than I ever expected it would have. And I really don't see a way to stop that now. I don't think I'm necessarily going to be, you know, uh, DMing strangers on the internet permanently, but. I would like to try and find a way to to stay involved with that on some level. Um, hopefully, I'll I'll be able to you know contribute beyond just the impact that this Jeopardy run has. Um, other than that, I've I'm really addicted to learning right now. I I spent you know seven months of my life just cramming as many facts into my head as I could, and I want more in there, and I want to do something with all the ones that currently live in there. Um, you know, it, it got me bumped up to an A Rundle in Learned League, you know, all of this studying. So now I've got to, I've got to do my best to stay, to maintain that. But I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm buying big books of facts and reference books just to read for fun during the day. I'm uh, writing trivia questions in my spare time just because I want to find a way to kind of share this knowledge with other people. I mean, Honestly, going to O'Brien's to play trivia after the tournament ended was kind of a transformative experience for me because I had never seen a, a pub trivia played like that before. And I want to try and start something like that, you know, here in Atlanta and just see if it's possible to find people who want, you know, want to really, really test themselves. People who are really into the trivia community, um, you know, if if I can start a place where they can, you know, show up once a week and have a good time and get asked some, you know, trickier than average questions. That that would be a ton of fun for me. Uh, so I just want to, I, I don't see a lot of ways to use everything that I learned in the past, you know, seven or eight months, but I want to try and use it in some way at the very least. Awesome. That's really cool. All right. Uh, so we would love to hear from each of you about one favorite moment from the tournament. Um, and let's go back to Josh for this one. Well, I mean, I think the obvious answer, obviously, is uh, Drew's final answer in his semifinal. Um, so I'll stay away from that one. But uh, I really thought that the genre category was really cool. I can't pronounce it like Alex. But Nobody can. Was, <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, I love when Jeopardy does that kind of stuff. Uh, what, what about you, Lindsay? What was your favorite moment? I guess it would have been like those the final games where it was like the dozen of us who sitting in the audience, like the most delirious peanut gallery that you have ever seen in your life during some of those questions, like to watch the physical reactions of the other competitors when like questions came up that I was like, well, I wish I could that could have been on my board, like in in one of the the finals, like literally a question that I had daydreamed about because it's my favorite movie came up and I was like, well, next life we'll figure it out. But like that, like that feeling of like just being in that group in that moment after a sort of like for the first time in a long time, just kind of like being able to like let everything go was, was insane. Yeah. Yeah. And of course a uh, couple of questions there that we have as a group talked about plenty. Uh, like look at a map. 
What's a square state? <laughs> it's not Wyoming. <laughs> right? When it when that clue started, I was so excited because I was like, oh, I know this because I'm from there. And then it just kept zooming out and out and out. And then it's like, do you know your states? <laughs> Step away from like slapping the abbreviation on it. I know, right? <laughs> Name like... a state that starts with a colo. <laughs> a state ending in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and Steven, favorite well, I mean, you, you, you mentioned the Colorado clue, but I was sitting next to you at that moment, Kyle, and seeing you go from like giddy, like, oh, I know where that, I know where Colorado, where the city of Dinosaur is, like you were very excited and then it starts zooming out and you're like, you start kind of like you were slapping your legs in giddiness and then you kind of started pounding your legs with your fist in anger and you're like, no, I already know what state that is. And then it highlights it red and it labels the other two states bordering it. And you just, you just lost it. I don't know if you, I don't know where you went in that moment, but it was a place that I was happy. I got to see you go. That went, to the uh, the thought of my quarterfinal matches, which I'm pretty sure my my quarterfinal match had like the most triple stumpers of any of the shows, <laughs> and I was just thinking like, how is how is this a final? Yeah, this, is, this, this not a... isn't. That's not just uh, a final question. That is a sixteen hundred dollar tournament of champions final question. Which, if you stretch out the logic that the bottom clues are the hardest one on the board and double jeopardy is harder than single jeopardy. And the tournament of champions final is the hardest game of the year. That means that they thought that was one of the 20 or so hardest questions they are going to ask in the past, like two seasons of jeopardy. (laughs) 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 Um, But, but you know, uh, it happens. But um, aside from that, I I think that my favorite moment and I had forgotten about it until I was watching the episode last night was, when Emma got the Hurt Locker uh, daily double to start off uh, double Jeopardy in the second day of the finals, because you can see on her face that she didn't know it immediately. And then there was this moment of dawning realization, like right before Alex was going to, you know, nudge her that he needed an answer where it came to her. And like to see her pull that off in such a high pressure situation, um, was really, really cool to see because I felt like Emma probably had the most pressure, certainly of any of us, probably of anybody who's ever been in a tournament of champions uh, placed on her. And to see her like pull that out of nowhere and really turn the finals into a game in that moment. I mean, I was just happy for her, but I was, I was excited. Like, okay, this is going to be a horse race. This one's going to come down to the very end of the show. Like that, that made it for a really, really exciting exciting final absolutely yeah absolutely uh all right so uh last thing before we get to our quiz and this may kind of segue us in there uh we've kind of already talked about a couple a couple of clues that we maybe maybe not enjoyed is the right word but had reactions to uh so uh we just like each of you to name like one category or clue from the tournament that really tickled your fancy uh let's start with Lindsay on this one Okay, um, so like I mentioned, there was a category, I think it was the, the last board of the last game was, was the city in the movie or something, and it throws up, you know, blank my love or Mon Amour if you prefer, um, and Hiroshima Mon Amour is probably my favorite movie ever, and I, I literally had daydreams about like having a final <laughs> involving that question. <laughs> 
So I just remember kind of sitting there going, ah, someday, someday. Yeah, and that was a triple stumper, if I recall correctly. It was. In fact, it had a neg. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Francois guessed Paris on that one. Cool. Uh, Josh. Well, so <laughs> I turned my camera on so I can say how to see it on this one. But uh, <laughs> so, um, of course, they sequester all of the quarterfinal contestants before they go out to play. So I was on a Thursday episode, so I didn't get to see um, Cal's quarter or Lindsay's quarter. Um, my quarter was Thursday, and so um, of course I missed final. And then on the Friday, um, basically I knew oh, no. what my score was, and I was like, "Well, okay, so Stephen can." Um, overtake me if he gets this right and they put the clue up and they said from 1894 his name literally means tiger king and the rest of the contestants all looked at me with apologies on their faces like sorry bro sorry Uh, I I, I would like to formally apologize for you and to you for that one Josh Uh, when when I got back to the hotel I asked my wife and my brother because like, I knew that I was the last wild card in. I said, like, who who was on the bubble? Who did I knock off? And they said, Josh. And I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, that's like knocking me off the bubble with a question about the Atlanta Braves or, or something like that. Yeah. Like, that's that's just, you know, the Jeopardy gods are mean sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so, sometimes, sometimes you get knocked out on a category about Tigers, and sometimes Francois gets a final Jeopardy about physicists. There like, it's <laughs> the, Je- the Jeopardy writers give and the Jeopardy uh, writers take away. It is true. So true. <laughs> uh, and Stephen. Um, well, uh Triple rhyme time is always one of my favorite categories. I'm generally horrible at Jeopardy wordplay, uh, but for some reason that one is just right up my alley. Uh, so it was fun getting to sit there and like actually watch one happen. Um, I, I think that I saw what was the most diabolical category in Jeopardy history, which was a Jeopardy keywords not, uh, which for those yeah, of y'all who didn't see it, um, it was basically they they put into each clue like a Jeopardy Pavlov, a series of words that 99 times out of 100 point to a specific person. Uh, for example, if you see the words the March King and a clue on Jeopardy, it's always going to be John Philip Sousa. And this time that was there to distract you from the fact that the rest of the clue was pointing to uh, to Elgar. Um So it took me about four clues watching at home into that one before I realized what was going on. Um, because that's what I had been learning. I had been learning those Jeopardy keywords nonstop, and I just couldn't rewire my brain in time. So uh, you, you, y'all got stuck with like the most diabolically evil Jeopardy category in history. Uh, <laughs> and then there were just a couple of like personal ones. Uh, like my dad grew up in Miami Beach, so I was really happy that I got in on that question about the 1972 Miami Dolphins. Um, like that—that that was his team growing up, and that you know he was down there for that, that season. Um, and then also, and that's in the semifinal, uh, one of the answers that I gave was Wuthering Heights. And uh, Wuthering Heights is one of Alex's favorite books and movies of all time. So I was just, I think you can see it on my face in the episode that I'm just like really happy that I got to shout out something that was important to him, even though it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything like Droove's, uh, where like Droove did that, you know, knowing that it wasn't the right answer. Like I was just happy that I got to give a right answer that I knew was meaningful to him. Uh, so that was, that was, that was pretty cool. Even if he didn't necessarily know that I knew that, uh, I knew that. And I knew that he probably enjoyed having that clue in there. So that, that was a fun one. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank, thank you for not only doing a great job in the tournament and making it 
I mean, I know I'm biased being part of it, but probably the greatest tournament ever uh, in the history of the show and and in the future of the show, too. Nothing will ever be better. So we we have that. As much plumbing through JR Archive as I did, like I've looked at all, I did, I played the past, you know, 10 or 15 years of tournaments several times over. And I don't think I ever saw, you know, questions as I think that we had a few games that were maybe like the Battle of the Decades is probably the hardest Jeopardy shows ever. And I think that we had some episodes that stack up with that and we handled it great. Like, you know, Emma's, Emma's final, final score would have won any other tournament that they've ever done. Um, I think that we had more final Jeopardy correct answers than any tournament of champions ever has. Like we, we really crushed it and they did not take it easy on us. Like I think that the quality of play was all stars level far and away. I, you know, I'm again biased, but I agree. And actually, uh, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but, uh, talking with Brad Rutter after all of the shows had taped at, at our, uh, our mixer that they hosted, uh, he, he said himself that he felt that it was the hardest, hardest set of boards and, and questions that he had seen in a very long time, including many, many tournaments. So, yeah, I, th- I think that like battle of the decades is the only one that compares. Yeah. I read somewhere that before this tournament of champions, no one had, no one contestant had ever gotten all four final jeopardies. Correct. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't verified it, but Francois got all four of his finals. Correct. And um, if that was true, then he would be the first ever. I think Emma did too. Yeah, I think Emma did as well. Emma got all of them, yeah, for sure. Yeah, she did. Yeah. So it's just just excellent play all around. The only one that I didn't know was the one that I was in, and it was a runaway. (laughs) (laughs) So at least you didn't have to worry about it, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, I I didn't even, like, maybe I could have puzzled it out, but I knew that I was, you know, that I wasn't writing a real answer. So, you know, I don't have, I don't have to, uh, to lose sleep at night thinking, Oh, what if I had just been a little bit closer to James? What I, you know, I could have beaten him. Like, you know, I I had my shots earlier in that game. I don't have to sweat final. Oh yeah. The only one final I didn't know was my semifinal and there was no way (laughs) I was going to be (laughs) physics teacher on Torricelli. So like, (laughs) Do ex magina with like zero regrets about yeah, that. There's, there's nothing to regret about that one. I, I knew all the other four quarterfinal ones, but as a semifinal, the only semifinal final that I knew was Emma's. And I wouldn't have had that one. So um, I would have missed yours, Stephen and Lindsay. I would have missed yours as well. So no regrets here. Yeah, but still, like that's that's a ridiculously high percentage. Like that, we can say like, oh, there was one or two that I didn't get. I, nobody ever, nobody ever does that well on tournament finals. Like yeah. we're, we we did good. Yeah, agreed wholeheartedly. So now let's move on from the tournament of champions questions to easily the actual hardest questions we will ever face in our entire lives, and that is questions <laughs> from each other. Cracking my knuckles. Let's do it. All right. Um. So here's uh here's what we're gonna do. Let's um. Okay, so let's do two questions each, and we'll go we'll go one one at a time. Uh, I'll start. Uh, I'll, I'll do my first one. Then we can go through. Uh, let's. I guess we'll we'll go me, then Stephen, then Lindsay, then Josh, then uh, Emily, and then we'll go again through that order. So, uh, two questions each. On our show, we normally do like ten points per question. Uh, we're not going to do like a final question on this particular one where you would wager just because it's a different kind of setup than we normally do. But we'll just see who uh, who comes out on top on the uh, Tournament of Champions recap 
podcast <laughs> episode. All Who right, the real and, winner is. And like mentally lock in answers so that everyone can give theirs. I'm gonna I'm gonna write mine down so that I'm sort of so that I can uh hold to it sure yeah josh has got it yeah all right um yeah we're i mean we're using the honor system there are clearly very high stakes here so imaginary points the stakes have never been higher (laughs) totally totally all right so uh my questions are pulled from uh some of the categories and questions in the shows this week so the first one and I had a kind of hard time writing this uh, to try and get the wording correct. So it might might sound a little weird. And if you need clarification, I'll, I'll offer it. But the first question uh, that I have comes from actually my game on Monday. And just real quick, that double jeopardy category, non-compose mentis. I was so angry for all of the composer questions that I didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh, that should have been my category. I like... Ah, it should have been the thing that got me in, but it did not turn out that way. Anyway, so I'm pulling from the uh, question about Anton Bruckner and Beethoven. This question is about Anton Bruckner, which I'm sure you all know really well. So Bruckner's Symphony No. 1 was completed in 1866. There is an apocryphal story about his tendency towards superstition that says he was terrified of the nine symphony limit on composers, which is like this superstition that once you write your ninth symphony, you'll just die. Like, that's it. You don't make it past <laughs> nine. Uh, and so he sought to work around it. <clears throat> this is quote-unquote supported by his symphony in F major, completed in 1863, and his symphony in D minor, completed in 1869, both of which are commonly referred to as what? As it turns out, he died while working on what would be called his ninth symphony anyway. <laughs> so I'm asking for, like, what are his symphony in D minor and symphony in F major both commonly referred to that might be uh, a way that he would work around that ninth symphony limit? I'm locked in. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll venture a guess, sure. <laughs> All right, I have a guess. Lindsay, Keep are you going. ready? Uh, yes, in that I have no idea. So All right, go, let's start with Lindsay then. <laughs> um, to work around that, my answer is his 10th and 11th symphony. <laughs> nice. Uh, Emily. Uh, maybe he called them sweets. I don't know. I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a technical classical music term that means something else. Uh, it, it is, but that he could I mean, you can call it whatever you want when you compose it. Stephen. I was going to guess his uh, zeroth and first. OK. And Josh, uh, I put unfinished. Okay, those are all really good guesses. Steven, uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you credit. Uh, they're actually both called his Symphony Number no. 0. Okay, oh, how about wow. that? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Turns out that's apocryphal because he he like titled them Number 0 or Worth Nothing, not because he was being superstitious, but because a bunch of critics told him that they weren't any good. So he was like, "Oh no, I won't use them. These aren't real." <laughs> <laughs> like these so. are just work prints. Yeah, but all those were good guesses. Symphony, his Symphony Number no. Nine is is his unfinished. Uh, Sweet is a good guess. That's usually a collection of dances. Mm. And and tenth and eleventh is a smart. Yeah, just like skip over nine, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Floor in an elevator, it's fine. Exactly, exactly. All right. Uh, who, uh, Stephen, give us a question. All right. Well, um, I wasn't planning on it, but um, I guess that I've got a couple here written that uh, kind of fit with some of. Uh, the categories that we got here. So I'll do one that came out of one of my categories. So this this would fit in classic rock guitarists, which uh, Francois destroyed me in uh, unexpectedly. <laughs> you did um, okay. 
I, I got two. I just, you know, it was just my luck that, like, I, I love all of these bands, and Francois had actually seen all of these bands. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> just my luck that I get, you know, a guy who's, like, lived the life that I wanted to live and seen, you know, Pink Floyd and seen Jimi Hendrix. But, uh, so in the category classic rock guitarists, uh, a park in Havana, Cuba, a street in St. Petersburg, Russia, and an art school in Liverpool, England, are all named for what 20th century musician? All right, I'm, I'm locked in. All right. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I have my educated guess. I've got a guess. I've got a guess. All right, okay. Uh, so I guess, uh, Kyle, you were in first, so let's hear your guess. Man, Liverpool just, it locks my brain down on the Beatles, and I, I have no reason to guess any particular other one, so I'm just going to go with John Lennon. Okay. Uh, Josh? Yeah, I wrote down Lennon. Okay. Lindsay? Uh, Lennon is my guess as well, with some USSR tossed in there as well. Right. That's what I was thinking. Uh, uh, Emily? Uh, I decided to skip over John Lennon on the theory that there are a gajillion things named for him and maybe there would be some other John Lennon things he would have gone for if it was him, and I went with Ringo Starr. Uh, it was John Lennon. Ah, um, darn it. So, well, uh, guess, that's I why guess, you guys are champions. Well, yeah, the category that I got was, I guess if, if you had been out there, you would you might have uh, remembered, Emily, but the, the category that I was that I got was classic rock guitarist. Oh, so, so oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you credit. If you... I forgot the category. <laughs> but yeah, uh, th there's lots of other stuff named after John Lennon, but I figured that like uh, Cuba and Russia might kind of lean you in that, you know, le left-leaning um, rock guitar player from Liverpool direction. Yeah. Oh, good question. Thank you. Okay, um, welcome to the first trivia question I have ever written. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Since we're all sort of piggybacking off of uh, stuff from the games that we liked, this is actually my, like, daydreamed Final Jeopardy question. Um, this French writer was nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for her script of Hiroshima, Hiroshima Monomore. All right, I'm locked in. <laughs> Wait, give me the question <laughs> one more time. That's either a very good thing or a very bad thing. This... French writer was nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for her script of Hiroshima Monomore. I also have no way of gauging difficulty level of questions, so... It's cool. I'm really bad at it, too. I write way too hard questions. I'm just going to go ahead and go with that. Just wrote down a name. <laughs> okay. Is that everybody? Yep. All right. I, since Kyle was first, we'll start there. Cool. Starting off with a really strong answer. Um, I'm going to go with La Madame de la Grande Bouche, who is a character from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> that is that that would be a very impressive Oscar nomination. Uh, Stephen, uh, I'm going to go with Simone de Beauvoir. So. Oh, that's such a good answer. Um, and Josh. It's only a good, it may be a good answer. I don't think it's the right answer. <laughs> Uh, I wrote I wrote down Longle, Madeline Longle, which probably isn't right. And Emily? I had literally no idea. I wrote down the words, no idea. Sorry, <laughs> so, so I am learning how to gauge how difficult my stuff is. Uh, the correct answer is Marguerite Dura, the author of The Lover. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, you I'm know, not even uh, going to pretend that I would have known that. No, I, I would have known that uh, Hiroshima Monomore was actually playing at a theater nearby me a few weeks ago. 
but I was, it was either right before the tournament or right after. So I was either cramming or I was just laying in a puddle of goo. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't able to get out and see it, but maybe I would have paid attention to the opening credits long enough to have noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was, it's, it's like one of my like daydream questions because like the lover is one of my favorite books and Hiroshima Mon Monomore is one of my favorite movies. And I never realized they were by the same person until like two weeks before the tournament. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, a big old swing and a miss from all of us. <laughs> Quadruple stumper. Josh, bring it yeah. uh, Let's see. So um, this one is not necessarily tied to uh, my game in particular, but it does have a tie-in to one of the games in this year's tournament. Um, the question is this. Uh, what is the only or who is the only men's college basketball coach to win a junior college national championship? And NIT, as well as a Division I NCAA title. The NCAA title was won in 1994, and it is his school's only title in basketball. Ooh. Okay, well, never mind. That takes off all the names I was thinking of. So everybody scratches out John Wooden. <laughs> uh, um... Yes, yes, I was totally putting that name up. <laughs> 100%. Lindsay is known for her sports ball knowledge. <laughs> Oh, oh I remember watching this game. Oh, no. No. Why can't I remember his name? Uh, we had a watch party for it at my parents' house. I remember sitting in our basement watching it on the TV. Uh, an eight-year-old Stephen kept calling it the NCAA championship. Double <laughs> <No> A. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I'm locked in. I mean, I, I assume my 30 seconds are up, but darn it, Josh, I'm going to, this is going to be one of those that I pat, smack myself upside the head when you say it. Yep, whenever you're ready. <laughs> whenever I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, as I guess the answers. Right. Kyle, yeah, Kyle, I think you're the only one who has an answer. Oh, my, my answer is Johnson. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess that's it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Are we like, just going blanks on the rest? <laughs> I, I, I guess a college I, basketball coach or one title. <laughs> okay, I, my, I put Smith on the theory that uh, <laughs> if you don't know, you should put Johnson or well, Smith. There's a Dean Smith, Coach Dean Smith, North Carolina. I mean, this... Okay, I, I don't even know he was a coach, but I know Jerry West is who the logo was based on for the <laughs> So <laughs> nice. that's just sports ball knowledge for me. <laughs> no, I mean, I know who it isn't, but... <sighs> Darn it. I keep thinking Eddie Robinson, but he was a football coach. Football. I, I don't know, Josh. You got me. Good work. <laughs> so it, it ties into the game because in one of the quarterfinals, I forgot which one, but uh, um, the question writers asked what city the University of Arkansas is in. They called it the Athens of the Ozarks. And um, someone gets Little Rock. And, uh, of course, the Arkansas in me is like... <laughs> but uh, it's in Danville. but anyway, so it uh, was the coach of the University of Arkansas in '94 as uh, Coach Nolan Richardson. Yes. Uh, see, I was on. I was. On, I was the Robinson Richardson. At least I was on the right track. Oh, yeah, uh, I got half the name right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. So another. Oof. Sorry. Good. All right. No, no, that, no, that was a good one. Apologize. That was a good one. You you guys are keeping it at the level that I set on this podcast of writing questions that the other person misses. <laughs> All right, Emily. All right, here we go. 
I, uh, I, I hastily uh, re reworked my questions, but I, I'm confident on my fact checking here. The longest book in the Old Testament is Jeremiah. What much shorter book of the Old Testament is said to be written by the prophet Jeremiah? I'm locked in. I think I know it. All right. I mean, I know what I'm guessing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm locked in. Uh, can you repeat the question? <laughs> yes. The longest book in the Old Testament is Jeremiah, as we learned on a Final Jeopardy uh, clue earlier this week, right? This week? Mm -hmm. uh, what much shorter book of the Old Testament is said to be by the prophet Jeremiah? Um, okay, I can venture a guess. All right, are we ready? All right, Kyle, what's your answer? Uh, really just because this is the one that I thought was the correct answer sitting in the audience and turned out I was wrong when the answer was Jeremiah. I went with Lamentations. All right, Stephen? I'm going to go with Lamentations also. Lindsay? Uh, same for me. And Josh? I wrote down Lamentations. You are all correct. Yes! I was torn between Lamentations and Ruth. I saw, I think I saw someone on Reddit like point out that like everybody was thinking Lamentations and someone's like, oh no, but Jeremiah wrote that one. And I couldn't remember if it was Lamentations or Ruth. So I'm glad I guessed right. Yeah, nice work. Uh, that was Emily. All right, back to the top, round two, second round of questions. I'm gonna throw it out to you. Do you guys want like a, a like literature and history question or do you want a, a sports and pop culture question? I think this crew is probably more comfortable with literature and history. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. crew is. Speaking okay. for myself, I Listen, know where my strengths are. We've had a sports, we had a pop culture. My, my... Well, <laughs> this one also has a little bit of sport in it, too. It's a, it's a good question. Okay. You know, you'll decide if it's a good question. It's not up to me. All right. So this is going back to this week's... I don't remember which, which uh, episode it was, but the Daily Double that James got about Oscar Wilde. So this is about Oscar Wilde. Oh, he missed that one. Yes, that's right. That's right. Oscar Wilde was imprisoned for gross indecency in May of 1895. Before the criminal trial that put him there, however, Wilde initiated his own civil case against the father of one of his most famous lovers. The trial went against Wilde, who ended up having to pay the defendant's legal fees, leaving Wilde bankrupt. Who is that man, the, the father, uh, who is better known to history for formalizing the rules of a popular sport? I got to guess. Sorry, can you repeat the question? <laughs> sure. Basically, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down. Okay. Who's the man that Wilde uh, essentially sued for libel? Uh, and this man is better known to history for formalizing the rules of a popular sport. Okay, got it. Oh, my God. I might know a sports ball question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm locked in. Okay. Is that everyone? Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's, uh, let's go. Uh, Steven, you were first. So what you got? I'm going to guess Queensberry. Okay, Josh? I wrote down the Marquis or Marquis of Queensberry. Uh, Lindsay? I also guessed Queensberry. I'm feeling very good about my sports ball knowledge this morning. And Emily? <laughs> All right, I wrote down the Marquis of Queensberry. Yes, it is the Marquess of Queensberry. Hey! His son. Hey! Yeah, his son was like Lord Alfred Douglas. Yeah, yeah, they don't yeah. want to sound French, so they say Marquis. <laughs> nice job. All right, Stephen. All right. So uh, I'll go back to a, uh, a category that I believe was in last night's show, uh, Tony Awards, or uh, Tony Award winners. 
At the 2001 Tony Awards, the producers set a record for the number of Tony wins with 12. Uh, it was nominated for a total of 15 awards. In which categories did it have nominees who did not win? And just as a hint, uh, it's three non-winners came from only two categories. So, so Tony Award winners. Yeah, it was not. It won twelve out of fifteen Tony Awards. Uh, in what categories did it have a nominee who did not win? And there are two answers. It had three non-winners from only two oh. categories. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm locked in. Yeah, me too. Just gonna give myself a zero now. <laughs> yeah, I'm locked in as well. Lindsay, you I, I I can try. Yep. All right, let's give it a go. Uh, so Kyle, I believe you were first. Sure. Uh, I went with best revival and best supporting male role. If that's a category. That, that, there's the equivalent. So yeah. Sure. Okay. All right, uh, Emily. All right. Wait, were you looking for both or only for one? Uh, both. Oh, drat. Okay. Okay. I so we were we'll, looking... we'll come back. That's okay. okay. <laughs> uh, Josh, what do you got? I wrote down, I went chalk. I went best male actor and best female actor. Okay. Leading role, uh, both. Yeah, leading role. Okay. Uh, Lindsay? Uh, featured actors and director. Okay. All right. Uh, Emily, we're back to you. All right. I had the benefit of uh, hearing people's guesses, which I've been trying to block out because I, I uh, thought I was going for only one. Um, <laughs> uh, but a, a supporting actor and uh, actress in a leading role. All right. Uh, some of y'all were half right. Uh, the correct answers are best actor in a leading role and best actor in a featured or supporting role. Uh, they had two best leading actor nominees, uh, both Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane, and then actually had three of the five uh, featured nominees were all from the producers. Wow. Wow. So yeah, a little, little, little bit of a trick question there. Uh, I've, been, yeah. I've been planning on using that one in a trivia game for a very long time now. I'm looking forward to breaking it out one of these days. Well. I mean, now it's going to be on the internet for the dozens of listeners we have. <laughs> I'll break that one out of O'Brien's if I ever get the host there. Oh, nice. Nice, nice. All right. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll put Pam Mueller and her 93% uh, theater accuracy on Learned League to the Past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Lindsay, you're up. Okay. Um, I added an additional fact question to try to gauge for difficulty. Okay. Um, this. Uh, both relates to the category of plays uh, from the final and the fact that I am addicted to Twitter and learn a lot of unique and interesting facts there. Um, Monica Lewinsky was an early angel investor in this, the second and final Jonathan Larson play performed, which is now being turned into a Netflix movie by Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I should know this. Uh... I did not know that fact about it. Yeah, Twitter's great for that stuff. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I don't I, know. I don't think I know it. It's being. T oh my. I, I, <sighs> I feel like I know it, and the answer that I'm thinking of does not match the fact that I know it. Like <laughs> I have an answer, and I'm pretty sure that's not what I'm trying to think of. But it's what I'll go with. I'm locked in. Okay, is that everybody? Yes, I'm locked in. All right. Um, you want to go ahead, Josh? Yeah, I, I was still writing it, but uh, I'll just say, um, how to succeed in business without really trying. Good. Uh, Kyle? Uh, going with uh, Angels in America. Emily? Uh, I don't have a better guess than Angels in America, although I'm pretty sure it's wrong. 
Okay. And Stephen? Uh, tick, tick, boom. That's oh. the correct answer. Oh! <laughs> yes. Oh. My yeah. wife is a gigantic Rent fan, so I'm very well versed in uh, in all things Jonathan Larson. Okay. Yeah. Somebody's gonna come nice. to my house and ask for my Min- Lin Manuel Miranda fan card. <laughs> well, yeah. As long as it's not Lin himself, I think you're okay. I don't know. I I tweeted I pretty hard that. at Lin to get him to watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I had him tagged in a couple of things too. I well, actually, uh, one of the an actress who retweeted it, uh, she's going to be playing Maria in a West Side the West Side Story remake. Uh, he follows her, so that means that he at least saw it, maybe. Nice. Uh, I, I told Emily, like, we talked about this in the prep for our podcast, that once we get Lin-Manuel Miranda on our podcast, then we can be done. We have peaked. And then we, <laughs> we, can, be, we can move on. All right. So, uh, so, your, so your two life goals were podcast with Lin-Manuel Miranda and be a headline on The Onion, Kyle. I am 50%. I am 50% there. there. <laughs> that was a close second for my favorite moment in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I forgot that one, honestly. Man. Yeah. Oh, I... Kyle reacting to things is just the best part of the tournament <laughs> champions. I... I was like, really? <laughs> sure. I mean, I'll take it. I I was like at work in the middle of like in the middle of a class and they were like working on projects. So I had a moment to just like stop and, and, you know, check email and whatever. And I got Lindsay's message, like you're a headline. And I was like, Oh, but I can't show this to my students. Uh, All right. uh, Where are we? Josh. Uh, Sure. So um, of course we had uh, the final that almost had me storm off the set. Like, really? And then we also had a category, Beastly North American Geography. And so I kind of combined those two. Um, so um, but it's not North American. So what Asian city has a name which is derived from Sanskrit, meaning Lion City? Ooh, I've got a guess. I think this was a flashcard that I've forgotten, but I've, I've got a guess. I also have a guess. It's a toss up, but. I'm in. All right, I have a guess. Uh, same. Okay. Cool. Uh, I guess Stephen was in first. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna guess Bangkok, Thailand. Okay. Uh, Lindsay. Uh, Singapore. Okay. Uh, Kyle. Going with Calcutta. Okay, and Emily. I'm also going with Calcutta. Wow, three different guesses. So uh, Calcutta, Bangkok, and Singapore. One of those is correct. The uh, answer is, well, they um, came actually from Malay, uh, which was yeah. derived from Sanskrit. And so uh, I guess Malay <laughs> would have get you right. Oh. Yeah. So it came from Malay. What a pull. And then the Malay derived from Sanskrit, uh, meaning Latin yeah, So yeah, it's Singapore. Way to go. Yeah. Nice. That, that, nice that, was def- that was definitely a flashcard. <laughs> Oops. And that's why I should have kept studying. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that Emily and I being co-hosts are giving the same incorrect responses. So we're we're on a we're on a good I like good that. You're you're, you're vibing for this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Now and I'm curious. Emily... Now I want to see how often that comes up on Jeopardy. All right. I'm a little worried this is too easy of a question, but it's nice to end a quiz with a softball. Uh, oh. Alex Trebek's favorite animal is known in the region where it lives as Ooming Mac. What do we call it? It's gotta be that. Hmm. Or it could be. 
Emily, this is not a softball. It's not. This is, <laughs> I thought you people liked Jeopardy. Come on. <laughs> you people? <laughs> I know his favorite book and movie. <laughs> Maybe I should have added another fact. That's cool. Can you no, repeat, no. repeat the name of this animal one more time? The name is Uming Mac. And the spelling I have for that is U-M-I-N-G-M-A-K. All one word? All one word is what I have. Why don't I throw in another clue? Uh, <laughs> I'm not Alex. <laughs> yeah, you know, translates we love to you, Alex. the bearded one. <laughs> translates to what? Translates to the bearded one. Wow, that's e- even that's not really helping me. Uh, whatever. Uh, All right, I, I guess I got to guess now. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Oh, okay. uh, okay. I'm going to write question. you an easy question. It is you, a good you question. You should be yeah. testing us. <laughs> Put us back in our place. It, this is not related to any um, uh, Tournament of Champions content. I thought like some Alex-related content Alex related. would be a good way, yeah. to, good way to finish this out. Uh, All right. Are we ready to go? Uh, yeah. Sure. yeah, let's do it. All right, Kyle, what's your guess? Howler monkey. All right. Steven? I'm going to guess a bison. Okay. Lindsay? I'm going to guess a yak. (laughs) Okay. And Josh? How specific do I need to be? I'm going to say bear. Okay. Um, That that would have been specific enough if it were a bear, Uh, but it is a musk ox. Oh. Uh, Oh, wow. So, So Steven and Lindsay were close, although I think... Not quite. Yeah, Yeah, probably not. Not not close enough for the judges. Alex would have given that kind of like, ooh, as he looks at the judges' face. Sorry. Uh, There is a great uh, clip that I can try and find. Oh, no, because all the the Jeopardy is gone from YouTube. Uh, They had a a triple stumper uh, where the correct answer was musk ox. And Alex sort of looked sternly at the contestants and said, and once again, you people have forgotten about my favorite animal. (laughs) 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 It's like the greatest moment in all of Jeopardy, I think. Well, maybe not. Maybe this tournament. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) The the greatest moment, present company excluded. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our our quiz. Uh, Let's go through and just see who came out on top. So uh, I'll start. I am representing a gentleman's 20. I got Queensberry, so I'm at at least 30. Maybe I got one more. I don't know. Lindsay, what you got? Okay, um, so I got Lennon, uh, Lamentations, Queensberry, and Singapore, which puts me on 40. Nice. Josh? Let's see. I got Lennon, I got Lamentations, and I got the Marquess of Queensbury. So um, I got 30. And Emily. All right. The only one I got was Queensbury, so I'm at 10. Okay. That means that in this very high stakes (laughs) tournament of champions in parentheses podcast uh, (laughs) quiz, Lindsay Schultz comes out on top with 40 points. Oh, my gosh. All right, thank you guys so much for coming on and doing this. This was awesome. Yeah, this was a blast. Yeah, thank you for is, having us, Kyle and Emily. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, guys. All right, any any last things you guys want to plug or throw out there before we sign off? Um, I would just like to say that Lion City has been a clue on Jeopardy twice, uh, <laughs> once in 1998 and once in 2010, which shows you how broken my brain is. Um <laughs> 
but uh, the Lust Garden Foundation play along. Um, all the stuff is on my Twitter feed at ask underscore Steven. It's my pinned tweet. So if you uh, haven't heard about it or you'd like to, to make a donation or have some fun watching the show and playing along for a good cause, uh, please check that out. All right, Lindsay? Yep. Um, in addition to keeping the energy going with the play along, I would just like to dedicate my win to my friend Katie Chan that I've known from 10 years at Columbia, who was from Singapore, which is how I knew it was called Lion City. So thank you, Katie. Nice. Yes. There we go. <laughs> All right. And Josh. Uh, Kyle, Emily, thank you for having us on the show. As Stephen, Lindsay, it was awesome uh, chatting with you guys again. Um, look forward to keeping a, um, this friendship together for a really long time. Hope to cross paths with you again soon. For sure. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. And that brings us to the end of our Tournament of Champions coverage. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We are planning on... Uh, continuing to have guest appearances uh, from contestants on the show uh, as much as we can. Not necessarily an every week thing, but we think it's good to get the perspective of you know other people than just us uh, and get their experiences as well. So uh, once again, I hope you enjoyed it and thank you for listening, uh, especially to our new listeners coming in. Thank you. Thank you for building our numbers and, and supporting the show. Uh, go ahead and subscribe and review us if you've got something to let us know about, whether it's positive or constructive. We'd love to hear it. And uh, hook us up with a star rating if you don't mind. Uh, check us out on social media. We are on Facebook, Potent Potables, and uh, Twitter at Potent Potables 1. So until next week, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker. Bye.